going to introduce to you all my guest now. She is a writer, a witch, an author. You can find her on Instagram at Valley Girl Mystic. Nina Khan. And by the way, her name's Nina Khan. But just so you know, Nina, all day I've been yelling at myself in my own head because I keep thinking about Nina Hagen. And I was like, don't introduce her as Nina Hagen. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it would be an honor to be introduced as Nina Hagen. That's so funny you say that because it was her birthday yesterday, and I'm a huge Nina Hagen fan. Yes, that was one of the things that I think in, like, the the Instagram social media blob, that was one of the things that made you stand out to me other than your amazing work. But it was like, I don't know if you posted something about Nina Hagen or I did, but we were like, oh, my God, she's the best. And then it made me like you, like, ten times more. Oh, that is so funny. I feel like I remember us connecting about that at some point. But yeah, I, I love her so much. And I feel like not enough people I know understand how freaking cool Nina Hagen is. I actually sometimes pretend that I'm named after her. I'm definitely not. But <laughs> I <would laughs> I'm honored to share a name. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, named after Nina Hagen. Super cool parents. <laughs> My parents are cool, but not, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they... I heard a story about her once I have to tell you once we stop recording because I don't have like permission to relay it but I'll remind me when we're done recording and I'll tell you the Nina Hagen story that (laughs) that was told to me Um, so I want to I kind of just want to start getting into it sorry can you hear the can you hear the garbage can that's outside my window right now oh no I can't okay I just want to make sure it's not picking up on the mic. If it is picking up on the mic, listeners, I'm sorry. It's garbage day on, you know, in my neighborhood. So, <laughs> um, I okay, so you've got two books out so far. You've got The Joy of the Hex and you have Astrology for Life. How, how yeah. did that sort of fall into your lap and how did you decide to hit upon both of those topics? Well, it's... Um you know what happened pretty quickly I actually I didn't exactly set out to write two books over the past couple years I mean I'm a writer of what I do for work and um I'm also an astrologer and I've been you know I'm just in the witchy world so it's it definitely fits it makes sense but um but I didn't set out to write books so as you might know, I am a part-time writer with Bustle. So I cover a lot of astrology and um, I sometimes kind of dip into covering other like esoteric or occult topics. And um, so the publishers of the book actually, they came to me. So they actually sort of had a vague idea for what they wanted and they were looking for an author. And um, they had found my work through the articles that I write online. They had seen a lot of my Bustle stuff just because I have a pretty large amount of work published on Bustle. So they kind of got a feel for what my voice was and what sort of topics they typically write about. And um, so they approached me about the astrology book. And so, you know, it was really kind of serendipitous and cool. Like I was like, okay, I, you know, I didn't have plans to sit down and write a big old intro to basic astrology book at this point but the opportunity arose and um so I went for it and you know I still had a lot of creative control in the sense that like I came up with the table of contents and you know it's 
it's still written in my voice. So it's not like they had this super, you know, they, they basically were like, we want an intro to astrology book that's suitable for beginners. And um, we like your style. And what do you think about doing something like this? So, so it was, you know, very vague what they had in mind. They right. wanted an intro book. Um, so I kind of took it from there. And it was quite a journey writing it. What's funny is that I, um, I actually submitted the first version of the manuscript on the exact day that California put the shelter in place order. Oh. <laughs> um, literally, Renee, like, I, I have already been low-key sheltered in place for months prior right. to the pandemic. <laughs> yes. I was, like, furiously writing this very long book. <laughs> so I had been so ready to just, like, get back out in the world and see my friends again and, like, go out. You know, I just didn't super hold up because I was still working, you know, my other writing gigs at that point. I had scaled back a little bit from other jobs, but, um, you know, obviously I had to make time. But I was working, like, every day, like, seven days a week for months, and I was so ready <laughs> to get out in the world. So it's just hilarious because I'm like, oh, I've been sheltered in place for longer than a year, basically. I've been, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so it was, like, crazy timing. Um, when it and Yeah, so it was actually with the same – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. The reason I ask this is because, you know, I, I personally have been uh, practicing astrology for four or five years, and one thing that I've noticed is that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes in the community, there's a weird pressure to – like, some, sometimes it feels like there's not – room for interpretation because it is a very specific sort of practice and I'm curious yeah. like if that was something because like that gets in my head sometimes and I was I'm just curious if it got in your head ever when you were writing oh 100% Renee I I relate to that so much and especially like I you know I've probably been studying astrology for about that amount of time too in a serious way you know I've been mm -hmm. interested in astrology for as long as I can remember, but it wasn't really until, you know, the past decade and really the past five years that I've been like, you know, studying it in a more serious way, you know, beyond just like, oh, like, let me like keep around in my own birth chart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I felt a lot of pressure, you know, I felt, I, I, and I went back and forth, you know, there's always kind of that, I, I feel like I'm, still at a point where I feel like such a baby even though I've written an astrology book right and I've been studying it for years and it's in my family too my uncle is a professional astrologer he's been studying for many many decades my grandmother was an astrologer she actually had her own astrology based business where she was a stock analyst oh wow. um, and she used astrology to me yeah she was a super badass cool Aquarian woman who was like very ahead of her time and I wish I had had more time to get to know her. She passed away when I was in like middle school. So, you know, I, I never got to kind of bond with her over astrology and hear about her work from her directly. But, um, but yeah, so it's always been an interest for me. But even, you know, that all said, there's always like that inner voice, that like inner critic that's like, <laughs> what if you misrepresent something? Like you didn't make this up. Like, and, and, Yes. Astrology is tough because there is room for interpretation, and that's what makes you know one 
astrology writers horoscopes resonate really differently with someone than the next person and it doesn't mean that one person necessarily knows what they're talking about more it's just that you know all of these archetypes and symbols can be interpreted in different ways and I think you know it's it definitely got in my head about that though because I'm like you know sometimes I come to my own conclusion about something and then I'd be like oh my gosh did I google that like has anybody else thought that like is that (laughs) wrong (laughs) yeah you know so um I had it was a process in you know trusting what I have learned and what I've studied and then also trusting my own interpretation but when it comes to putting it in print I will tell you I definitely had moments where I was just like oh my gosh what if everything in here is like doesn't make any sense and it's totally wrong and like, yes. <laughs> I knew it wasn't of course you know but um but yeah I mean I was someone who can be kind of a perfectionist which I definitely feel like I am um it was a major process and a learning experience but I'm you know I'm still I'm still learning to trust my own instincts and interpretations and you know this book is this book is a little more um you know because we're going over all of the basics it wasn't quite the same you know, it was, it is a lot of stuff that, the facts are stuff that you'll find elsewhere too, strictly, yeah. but obviously I have my own spin on things. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I even feel that way when writing horoscopes. I don't know about you, but when I'm just looking at like day-to-day aspects and interpreting things on my own, I'm like, I still am like, oh, should I double check to see what somebody else said to make sure <laughs> that I'm not totally off date? <laughs> I do. Well, so the thing that gets in my head with writing horoscopes is because, you know, I, I track the moon transits. So like when it's day to day, like you just look at the moon transits because nothing else moves right. as quickly. And after a while, I'm like, did I write this exact horoscope already? Because the patterns repeat so often. And then I have to like go oh, back totally. and look at my work and be like, okay, are, are April's horoscopes different than March's horoscopes? That's like, I'm like kind of like looking to make sure that I'm not, cause I'll like, I'll see reoccurring themes that are of course manifesting differently, but because all astrology is, is cycles and how they intercept with each other, it starts to feel like, um, like there's a pressure to make sure that your interpretation is always fresh, but also sticks within tradition. Like it's a very weird world. It really, really is. And it's also so strange because astrology is so technical. It's such a science in some ways. And there are, you know, there there are all of these very intense technical aspects to it. But then at the end of the day, it's also this really beautiful, intuitive and interpretive art. You know, yes. like this very like spiritual, spiritual art, and um, so I think it's tough to exist in both of those worlds at once sometimes because you know we sort of live in a land where we get really hung up on technicalities. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know for me, it's like everything you post on social media. It's like you want to make sure it's accurate. You want to make sure it's spot on and right and you're not you know your your logic isn't flawed and you're not 
spewing this information unintentionally. Yeah, your, ti- um, your times are right. And then you check like three different um, astrology apps to make sure that the times aren't. But then sometimes you will get different oh, times. And like, oh, God, what do I do? Exactly, exactly. So I go through the same thing. And so you kind of have to exist in like that side of your brain. And then also in the side of your brain, that's like, creative and spiritual and intuitive and you know because that's what makes your horoscope stand out from somebody else's is your individual interpretation and your intuition on the energies that are at play so um you're like humanizing sorry go ahead yes yeah exactly exactly um my uncle actually who is a professional astrologer um when I was talking to him not too long ago uh, it was I was talking to him about doing readings and this was a couple years ago and I was like yeah you know sometimes I feel a lot of pressure when I do readings because I feel like it's so personal and you know I sometimes question like oh my gosh like who you know who am I to tell this person like what's going on in their chart or like interpret these you know I can see clearly what's happening but I sometimes doubt myself when it comes to interpreting and he was like oh no like that's where you have to just lean into yourself and totally trust your interpretations that's what makes you stand out from the next person and you know it's going to vibe with some people it's not going to vibe with others that's okay um so yeah it's, it's really hard to just trust that very unmeasurable part of the art right like yes and you know but like your interpretation well what's funny about that too is like I totally agree with your uncle and it, it seems like not for me not just with astrology readings but like in psychic readings too like the thing that I've wanted to say the least because it just seemed like so like such a fucking bold claim to make and like so out there like those are always the things that turn a reading into a home run you just have to like be oh, cool oh, with saying wow. it that makes so much sense. And I feel like with something like psychic readings or just, you know, in intuitive arts like that, I can imagine that you just, ha- that's such a hump to have to get over. It's just like, this is what I see. This is what I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, you can't even just be like, well, that's what this aspect is. And that's how, you know, there's not like this whole map to reference with your intuition, which makes it a lot easier because at least with astrology, you know, you have kind of something to back it up, whether or not someone agrees with your interpretation. But yeah, that's so interesting with the psychic reading. Um, How did your, how was your, like with your uncle being this astrologer who's been in the business longer than you, do you feel like he was proud of you when you, you told him you were writing a book? Yes. He's been incredibly supportive, um, and yeah, he was he was really proud. And this whole experience has also made me think of my grandmother, who's passed away a lot too. And um, just the fact that she studied astrology and you know was this awesome entrepreneur who created her own unique business using astrology at a time when, you know, if women running their own businesses as a single woman, you know, it wasn't the norm. Right. And, uh, yeah, so it's been kind of special in that way, too. Like, when I got into astrology, I didn't think of it as 
oh, I'm like a third generation astrologer. I didn't think of it that way at all. I, I just felt like I got into it organically and, you know, just I was kind of in with these circles and into the occult. And so it made sense that I sort of got into it. But over the past year where I've really like, you know, I have the book, it's been kind of like, oh, wow, like my grandmother was a financial astrologer. My uncle is, you know, he does, primarily just face-to-face readings or now virtual readings too and I'm like writing so it's like cool it's like it's sort of morphed into these different types of careers but all astrology so yeah I think he's proud of me and it means a lot it's kind of cool to connect it with like you know throughout the last couple generations it's something that I haven't really explored within myself until somewhat recently have you ever looked in your chart or in the charts of your uncle and your grandmother to see if there was any reoccurring theme that could like explain the interest in astrology going through the bloodline? Oh, that is such an awesome idea. And no, I, I haven't. I have looked at my grandmother's chart at some point, but I would love to revisit that and I'll report back. If yes. I I'm like, I gave you a new assignment. Yes. <laughs> Totally. No, I know. That would be really, really cool to look at. I, I really love finding patterns in that way, too. So that'll, that'll be fun to see if there's anything that stands out. With your other book, The Joy of Hex, ha- <laughs> you know, Hex is pretty taboo. Hexes are pretty taboo. And I'm, yeah, agree. <laughs> so what what is your disposition? And when they approach you to say, like, we want a book, about hexes and I know it's not only about hexes but um when this sort of topic came up how were you like what were you thinking and how were you processing it so it's so funny you ask this Renee because this was actually a whole (laughs) this is a whole deal so the book itself is not really about hexes it's it's a spell and ritual book um but in the you know obviously hex is often defined as you know, doing magic to control another person or, you know, put a curse on someone or, you know, not just doing a, like, beauty spell or, you know, right. little, like, personal empowerment spells. You know, there's definitely that word, I, I think, has a pretty clear-cut connotation. Despite the, the technical definition, I guess, that hex could also be interchangeable with the spell, but I'm like, I don't think people typically use it that way. I think it's definitely got its own connotation. So, um, you know, when they approached me with that, they had they had that title chosen already because it's the play on words of that book, The Joy of Sex, right. which is a very famous sexuality book from, I believe, the 70s, I think. Um, so it's cute to keep play on words, but I, you know, I didn't love the title off the bat because I didn't know that it fully represented what was in the book because it's not a book of hexes, the book of spells and rituals that are really just for personal empowerment. Right. And um, in fact, I, I write a, quite a bit in the intro about, um, you know, that, that I don't necessarily advise any, because it's, you know, it's a book for new witches, for baby witches. And I, I don't necessarily advise that anybody use their magic to control others or, you know, mess with the will of other people. And 
I'm not, I'm not saying that I have like a very hard line stance on that in general, but as far as like, if you're just dipping your toes into it, I just don't really personally, I wouldn't advise anybody to do that. It's like, just, just get in touch with your own magic, get in touch with your own power and, you know, start, start manifesting things in your own life. Don't, you know, why, why don't you look at the root cause of why you're trying, why you have the urge to control someone else's free will? What's really at the core of that desire you have? Because it's, probably something about you right in a lot right. of cases yes i'm trying to do a spell to make somebody fall in love with me it's like <laughs> you know why why do i want what, what is it about that person that i want in my life what do i really want to bring into my life and does it really have to do with that individual probably not right at the, in most cases right so um so really the title is just a a cute play on words the book is not actually about um, text magic. It's totally like just empowering spells and rituals for somebody who is maybe newer to doing rituals and developing their own spiritual practice. And um, so it's it's actually a very you know lighthearted and safe <laughs> safe magic, I would say. Right. Um. So it's it's more just like a little tongue in cheek wink wink title and not yeah. it's not actually a book of texting it's not about the joyfulness of texting other people <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. right um yeah but it's funny because I think for you like as an experienced witch like you're gonna hear hex and immediately think oh okay that's a that's a bold that's a bold ass book <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah I mean a little bit I was like whoa um especially because it's like so cute and like you know, like pastel, like not necessarily pastel, but like pink and purple and like doesn't look like a scary right. book of hexes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's totally not. It's not a scary book of hexes. It's very like lighthearted, fun, you know, just personal empowerment really is the core of it. There are these like little witches who came across it to look at how to do something fucked up and they were like, oh man, like. <laughs> <laughs> No, thousand percent. They're like, damn it, this is not what I was looking for. Yeah, no, that's so funny. Did you, when you released that title, did you have an onslaught of trolls coming after you because you wrote a book that was called Joy of Hex? Oh, knock on wood, Renee, I did not. And I hope it doesn't happen. Good. And, you know, I did, I made sure, and I made it clear to my editor, I was like, listen, if we go with that title, I do want to clarify in the intro of the book that you know that yes we say that in the title but I have to technically define those you know it could be just any spell and um I want to I want to clarify the difference for anyone who's reading and you know might have a different impression based on the title so so we did do that and um so if you read through the intro you will kind of the title will be explained and you'll have a pretty good idea of what the book is about is there a specific system that you pulled from when you were putting this together? It's pretty eclectic. Um, in my personal practice, you know, I don't, I guess I have a fairly eclectic practice myself. Um, I studied Wicca when I was younger. That was really what got me into witchcraft and doing spells and rituals for myself. Um, but, you know, I did, so, so that's sort of, I guess you could say that's sort of an influence in this book, for sure. 
is Wicca and um but a lot of it is really just about you know, I try not to tie it to any one specific belief system. Yeah. Uh, and make it something that was easily accessible to someone who maybe it is someone who's really into Wicca and, and, and that's sort of the angle that they're coming from. This book could still be fun for somebody who's into that. I also wanted to make it accessible for someone who is like, I have no idea what I what my spiritual beliefs are. I, I feel connected to energy. I feel connected to myself. Like, I don't know if I believe in any sort of God or goddesses or you know, I don't know. I wanted it to be accessible to somebody who's just dabbling in that way too, just because I really identify with that. And, um, you know, I, the book is really about finding, I think that sort of divine or spiritual power, however you want to define it within yourself. And, you know, trusting that you're kind of a part of this magical world of energy that's all around us and kind of tapping into your own confidence in 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 creating and controlling the energy around you and like putting things out into the universe and trusting that you know once you start putting your intentions out there maybe we can't prove it on paper right but but things start getting things start taking form and and you know you set things into motion when you put an intention in words and in symbols when you do a spell or a ritual. So I wanted it to be something that anybody who's interested in exploring this could connect with and not just tie it to any one very specific belief system, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. And I I agree with what you're saying about like what you put out there is sort of what you get back because I feel like if you are throwing a bunch of love spells at someone, like you just become more obsessed with them in a lot of ways. Cause you're like watching, yeah. Like watching to see if it works, like watching them, like, and it just like kind of makes you crazy, which is why I always tell people yeah. not to do love spells. Like it's going to make you crazy. You're going to be nuts. And by the time it works, you're going to be over the person. It's so true. It's so true. I feel the same way. And um, I kind of get into this in the book, but like I said, I, I sort of noted that, you know, when you notice that, like, for example, if, you, if there's someone and you're like, oh, I really want to do a love spell, right? Can we do a love spell? It's like, okay, that's actually cool. That's cool that you feel that way. So sit with that and try to boil it down to, like, what is it that you really want? Like, maybe you want to manifest a partner who has these specific qualities. What is it about this person? Because it's probably not that person. It's probably, right, like, something else that you actually want to manifest in your life and you know we're kind of sometimes people represent certain things to us so we feel like oh I need a love school to make this person come back to me or make this you know whatever the case may be and it's like you know sometimes having that urge is good because it can be sort of the entryway into figuring out what your true desire is which maybe isn't that individual maybe it's something else yeah totally And I also think that like, if you're going to take the energy that you would normally put into a love spell and just put it on yourself, it kind of opens the door for better people to come through because you're just kind of wasting energy if you give it to someone else. And then it's like, you got to find a way to rebuild it and reclaim what you've given away. Absolutely. Absolutely. There cannot be enough self-love and confidence. Yeah. Channeling that back into yourself. Yeah. That that will just have a huge 
very positive return, I think, in all cases. So what would you say, you know, if you were going to advise someone on a successful love spell, like what, what do you think works the most? I would have to agree that channeling that energy into yourself is one of the best ways to bring more love into your life. Um, I just, you know, doing love spells that make you feel more sensual or you feel more open to receiving love and, and worthy of love and, um, you know, kind of focusing all of that desire that we have towards other people towards like, really being comfortable receiving that and and I think you know this it's different for every person so I certainly don't want to speak for everybody but I think sometimes there you know it's hard to we want certain things but there's like these little blockages that we have sometimes that make us feel like we don't deserve a certain something or we sort of won't let ourselves open our hearts to certain things maybe it's because we've been hurt or you know, because we trust issue for whatever reason. So I think, um, I think I would agree that doing self-love spells and I, you know, I think sex magic can be really fun and just really getting into your own body and like handling that very like Venusian, sensual, self-love, beauty, just like loving yourself. And I really believe that, you know, that can really bring a lot more energy to you. I think you can really change some of the things that come in your direction when you sort of work on your own energy. And I'm definitely not saying that's like a fix-all for everything. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, well, you manifest everything that comes into your life. So if you have bad things going on, then it's your fault. (laughs) Yeah, that's like like the the toxic positivity group. That, oh, well, bad things happen um, because you haven't raised your vibration enough or you don't believe enough. Totally. Totally. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I really, that never sat well with me. I remember being, like, really young and kind of hearing that kind of rhetoric and wanting to get behind it because I didn't know better. But I yeah. just never, never, it never sat right. I'm like, oh, like, you just need to, like, if you're not making the money you want to make, then that's because you have like blockages around money that you need to clear. And it's like, Oh, is it really just that? Or <laughs> Yeah. You might be part of it, but is it just, um, exactly, is it just that? Or is it, you know, that maybe the system's broken or something? God, totally. Or is it that like capitalism fucking sucks and, yes. <laughs> and this economy is not great for so many people and there's so many factors. Right. But, um, Excuse my language, by the way. Oh, I think I, 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 think I already dropped a few f bombs myself, so we're all good here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. But yeah, so I, so yeah, certainly want to disclaim that, um, you know, this that whole toxic positivity. It, I'm, I'm not about that. It's not like, oh, love yourself and like everything perfect will come your way. But I do think that uh, having an active practice that involves really loving yourself being open to receiving love, um, feeling sensual with yourself. I think that really can only open up good things. So the more you really love and respect and trust yourself, um, I think that we naturally are, are you know, subconsciously, we're going to kind of filter out the energy that's coming back toward us. 
And so we're going to be able to spot the, the better options. You know, we're going to be able to identify when a really beautiful energy comes into our life. And it's going to be easier to see that from maybe someone who's on a lower vibe or somebody who's, you know, maybe catering to our insecurities rather than boosting up the best and brightest parts of ourselves. So, yeah, I think that self-love practices and doing that regularly is so, would be such a great way. If somebody really wants to bring love into their life, that's a really great way to start rather than putting that on somebody else. I love that you mentioned all of those things, especially when it comes to like the, th- the themes around like worthy, like, you know, worthiness of love and, you know, being comfortable receiving love because so- like, so- like self-care, self-love has become such a, like a buzzword. And I think that if you, if you look at it on a very surface level, and I, I think that this is something that we see on Instagram a lot where it's just like, oh, like Manny petty night, like self-love, like self-care, which is like totally part of it. And like, I've definitely been like, oh yeah, like bath, you know, self-care time. But it's so much more than that. Like it, there's a lot of internal stuff that goes along with it. Like it's not just at home beauty, beauty re- regimes. And I'm just curious, yeah. like, what are some, what are your summer, like, what are some of your favorite, like witchy things maybe some that are in the book, maybe some that you just do personally that you think can help use magic or candles or essential oil to facilitate that? Oh, I love candle magic. And that's just always something that I, I think I like it because it feels to me, I like candles all the time anyway. So it feels so accessible. And that's something that I think is important uh, maybe not for everyone. Some people, I think, like to do very, very elaborate rituals and follow very specific instructions. For me, I sometimes that intimidates me out of doing a ritual or a spell. And so for me, having something be easy and accessible is um, is an important way that I keep that sort of stuff in my day-to-day life. Yes. So I really believe in the power of... Um, writing your intentions in words. Like sometimes if I, if I meet, if I'm like in, you know, feeling low or feeling low confidence, not feeling that great. Like I will write a page and I write, I write totally cheesy spells, Renee. Like I'll write with rhyme. Like I totally, I'll write out my thoughts, right? I'll write like a journal out my thoughts and then I'll distill it into like a cheesy little, (laughs) a cheesy little spell that I can say out loud and sort of repeat as, a little mantra to myself. So even if it's totally cheesy, like, uh, you know, I'll kind of distill my thoughts into that and then light a candle and say it out loud to myself. And I, I sometimes, you know, I, I'll just say it until I am comfortable saying it. And sometimes it's just something simple. Like I love and respect myself no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, just repeating that to yourself until it happens. It's just in that moment clicks yeah until you kind of trust it yes until your heart softens to it and it's like no I really do though and uh sometimes that you say it five times and it feels good sometimes you say it 20 times and then finally you're like okay I feel a little bit like I do love and respect myself no matter what now and um that's something so yeah I think (laughs) sorry go ahead oh yeah go 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 Oh, no, this is just making me think I had a reading yesterday and and the guy had super projective energy, but he had doubts about like finding a new partner 
And I was like, look, whenever you hear yourself saying like, I'm not going to find someone, I was like, I don't care if you believe it, but you need to say, I will find someone. You just need to say it. You don't have to believe it. Just say it. And then eventually it'll be easier to say and easier to believe. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you don't have to believe it's it at first. Great advice. You don't have to. I agree. I agree. I think words are incredibly powerful. And obviously I'm a writer, so I'm going to say that. But yes. <laughs> um, but I do believe that words can be spelled in and of themselves. And just putting that intention into like, you know, into the world of our senses, into words that we can say and we can hear and we can see or write. Um, I think that is incredibly powerful. And I agree, even if you don't believe it yet, writing the intention, saying the intention out loud, it really, that is a form of energy. Yes. Saying it out loud, you know, and I think it changes things. I think it can change things, at least in a little ripple effect. It might not be the one thing that changes everything, but it's a ripple. You align yourself with it. You're aligning your, your energy, your personal mm-hmm. energy to this thing that you're sort of like declaring that you want. Absolutely. How did you end up getting into the writing world? How did that happen for you? Because it's such a, it's such a weird world that like, I don't know. I feel like if I was trying to crack into it, it would be really hard, but I just happened to know people who like pulled me into it. And so like, I'm just curious how that happened for you. Cause I got, I got a little bit pulled into it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard if you don't have a contact. For me, I, I've always been a writer, I guess you could say, not by profession, but um, writing's always been a big part of my life. And I studied English in college, um, you know, kind of with the hopes of doing something writing related afterwards. And, uh, you know, of course, right after college, I, I just became a barista and there was really no jobs and I had no idea what I was doing. And, right. you know, I was like making coffees and um, eventually I got, I started working with a nonprofit organization and um, it was just an entry level job. But, but through that job, I ended up writing a lot for their blog and for different parts of their website and email campaigns and you know it certainly didn't look like the writing that I'm doing now but um it got me a little something to throw on a resume right it got me some experience like yes I have experience writing for the web writing blog style posts writing you know more like marketing style writing so I have that that really was a great stepping stone for me in that at least I had a little something to say like, okay, well, I I have some experience doing this, right? So I was able to sort of get that through a job that I didn't anticipate having a lot of writing experience through, but I got that. And um, really the way I tapped into the rest of it, you know, I sort of written for some friends' blogs and stuff like that. Um, But then once I... I left that job at a nonprofit and I was sort of just like trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And um, I ended up seeing an opening for Bustle and they were looking for a lifestyle writer. And one of the things this writer would be covering was astrology. And I was like, oh my gosh, that like, you know, that would be such a dream because while I was studying astrology, I, I hadn't really thought about having an astrology writer because I felt like how on earth would I even... Yeah. Do that. How, how, how would I find a job like that? Yes. 
Um, so it was really serendipitous that I came across this. And um, funny because I had applied for a different job prior to this one uh, for a lifestyle news writer, maybe. And uh, I think that's what it was. And I didn't get it. Um, and then this one popped up. So it was probably one of those like, oh, man, maybe it was meant to be kind of moments. Because I was like, if I had gotten that other job just then, I wouldn't have been able to necessarily be like oh wait I want this one even though I just got hired three weeks ago yeah <laughs> so uh it kind of worked out and I ended up getting that and um that's been amazing because it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me since I since I was able to kind of build up a body of work writing about the topics that I really really wanted to write about yeah it which makes, astrology. yeah so, it makes such a difference too when you're connected to the yeah so that's subject. what happened I, I guess it's not the most helpful it, there was definitely some uh you know, luck involved in just coming upon that. Um, but I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful because it can be hard. But I think I think making connections is great. And social media is cool because I think if somebody who kind of wanted to break into that world, you really can, like, start making connections with people. And I would advise people, you know, reach out to interview somebody, even if you're just doing it for your own blog. You know, people are down to chat and get exposure and just, you know, even if you have to just self-publish for a while just to get a little body of work going, I think that, that's a good way to start and just try to make connections with people online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true, especially when it comes to just starting up a small blog. One of the things that I see with people when I'm reading for them and I, and I always, you know, depending on what they want to do, one of the big pieces of advice I give is, you know, you got to make sure you have an Instagram and you have to be like comfortable with social media. Yeah. And people are, they have a really hard time because they feel like they're going to be inauthentic is one of the, like one of the things that mm-hmm. I've heard. People are afraid of being looked at, being judged. And so like, what would your advice be when it comes, when it comes down to posting and putting yourself out there? Oh, man, I relate to that so much, actually. I have sort of a love-hate relationship with social media. <laughs> Me too. It's funny because obviously, <laughs> do you really? Yeah, because I feel like I get, I see my friends who get to take a month off just because they feel like it, and I can't because half my clients book through Instagram. And I, you know, yeah. my paycheck depends on my ability to, like, have people be aware of me so they reach out to book a reading. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really hard when you're self-employed in that way and you're sort of your own business uh, because social media is so important. And so for me, I sort of had to bite the bullet, I guess. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm an artist and I love, I love curating an Instagram. I love memeing and I, I, you know, I love sharing my thoughts on Instagram, but I don't love social media on the whole. I'm just, I, I, really have a love hate with it and sometimes I just am like oh I just want to get off these evil apps forever and just be in the present moment at all times yes. <laughs> you know what I mean yes but um I had to get over it because you know there came a point where I just sort of was like okay if I want to you know build a clientele and have a name for myself well like you said like it's kind of it's hard to do that without a representation of yourself on social media where people can find you, whether it's, you know, potential clients who want a reading or maybe potential employers who want to hire you to write for them or hire you to do something for them. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's even if you have to look at it as like 
sort of a job. It's just so hard because it has your name on it. So I relate to this so much. And like, I remember when I first started my Valley Girl Mystic account, which, yeah. you know, is just, it's just my astrology account. It's not like I use it for like to Instagram when I'm eating for lunch every day or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember feeling so like weird and self-conscious about using hashtags, for example, mm-hmm. like hashtagging the shit out of my post. I felt so like, uh, like, like a loser. Oh God, I had a hashtag. Yes, I had a <laughs> hashtag thing too, where I like felt too cool to hashtag or something. <laughs> like I don't yes. know. Like I don't need your approval. Yes, I'm exactly. not gonna hashtag because then it's like asking for like you know. Then you realize it's no. It's so you can be searchable, so you can find like so people can find you. But it felt like I was yes. like like actively seeking attention and like. I had a hard time resolving that even though social media is actively like looking for attention. So it's like very, very weird. Exactly. Like just having your own profile that you post to and curate, like that is, you know, that's the same as putting hashtags at the end of the day, right? But there's something about really putting yourself forward and being like, I'm here. I want I want to take up space here. I want eyes on me. I want to connect with people. I want to build a community here. That you really have to get through some self-consciousness. And I think this is true of almost everybody. I really do. I and mean, maybe there are some people who are just ultra confident from the start and put themselves out there. But for me, like, I, even still, you know, even still, I feel self-conscious putting myself out there sometimes. And definitely when I first kind of got serious about like, okay, so this is like, you know, running this account is part of my business. I don't get paid to do it, but I, but it, it opens up opportunities. So I have to take it seriously. And, um, you know, getting over that hump, I think a lot of it is like for me, is just being okay with taking up space and being like, I'm here and I'm doing this. Because it's like, I think, I think, I think we're, we're all kind of taught to feel self-conscious about that, you know? Like, what's wrong with putting hashtags? If I see a friend putting themselves out there and trying to build their brand, I would be so fucking stoked for them. Like, hell yeah, put yourself out there. Get more eyes on you. Like, you deserve it. You Like, get out there and, and ask for what you want to bring into your world. But why is it so hard to do it for ourselves, you know? Like, worrying about what other people think, it's like, no one's sitting around being like, oh, what a loser. They're lo- they're using hashtags. It's like, well, of course, every big brand you follow is probably using hashtags. So <laughs> the only people no. the only people who I've noticed that are sitting on the internet judging other people are the people who aren't doing anything with their lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm too busy to do that shit. I don't have time to like be a negative Nancy exactly. on the internet. Oh, exactly. And it's like, if there are a few people out there following you or keeping your page who are like that, it's like, we shouldn't cater to that. We shouldn't be catering to that kind of negative aspect of certain people. That is probably way more minimal than we even think in our minds, but we should be catering to all of the people who want to love and support us and receive our energy and boost us up. Like, I... It inspires, I think when people are being their most authentic selves and putting themselves out there and, like I said, taking up space, I think that really inspires other people to own their own stuff and, and pushes them to be like, oh, maybe I can get out there and put myself out there, too. Maybe I can start a page for my brand. You know, I, I, 
I think we need to remember that when we are totally in our authentic confidence and like owning our shit that yeah there are always going to be a couple haters on the sidelines like but that, that that's their own stuff you know and we don't need to we don't need to make ourselves small to cater to that negative part of them. Like we don't want, we don't want to keep catering to that. We want them to grow and get better. Right. So, yes. so instead like let's challenge it and, and be as big and confident and authentic as we can. I always wonder because I feel like you're right that for the most part, people are generally pretty supportive on social media and there's, yeah, like there's a few bad seeds and I, like, you know, we have had a lot of media attention, like sort of coming to the surface where we're looking at how even the press treats celebrities, you know, looking at Britney Spears mm-hmm. and, and Meghan Markle even, and just sort of like watching how the press bullies people. Do you think that you are mostly surrounded by positive people because of the industry that you're in? Or do you think that we might be on the verge of a societal shift where we're being more positive? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I wish I had a great answer, but I don't know if we're on the brink of a societal shift, but I really hope so. That would be really cool. And I, because I, I, you know, I think a lot of this, when people are spitting hate and vitriol and envy toward other people, it really is just a reflection of what's going on in them yes. that said it can be obviously very very hurtful I know I've been on the receiving end of that kind of energy before and you know it requires me to do a lot of self-work to not take that on for myself and feel shitty about myself that I'm making somebody feel that way or why does somebody feel that way about me or why is somebody's energy shifted toward me just because I've had a little bit of success you know that's yeah. That makes me sad. Oh my God. I've noticed that with the, some of the people that I used to do stand up comedy with in Phoenix, since I have had the opportunity to interview famous people, like, you know, and build my brand, I've, I've noticed a lot of them like unfollow me, stop reaching out, stop being communicative. And and it like, you know, as other people who were involved in the entertainment industry, and nothing else has changed yeah. between us. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. And it makes me totally sad and bummed out, too, because, like, these are all people who, if they got a win, I'd be so excited and happy for them. So I think it's a hard pill to swallow when you realize that y- you were someone's cheerleader and they can't be one for you. Yeah, it's really, it really is hard. And I'm sorry that's happened to you, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. I know I can too, unfortunately. And um, I'm really sensitive to that kind of stuff because I think I am a people pleaser by nature, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And I have spent a lot of my life making myself smaller to cater to other people. Right. And... I was kind of raised that way too. Like my mom is an amazing human being, but you know, I grew up watching her sort of, you know, downplay her own talents and achievements. And even sometimes, you know, downplay mine or her kids just to make other people feel more secure or, or feel better about themselves. 
Yeah. So it's taken a long time for me to learn that that doesn't actually help anybody else. You know, I never thought about people downplaying their talents to make other people secure. I mean, it seems like such an obvious like psychological connection to make, but I never actually like thought that through in my brain, but that makes so much sense that like, Oh no, I'm not good because it, it makes you feel more secure. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're like, Oh no, I, I don't worry. That wasn't that successful. And it's like, Oh, okay. You, I'm yeah. not jealous anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was worried that you were going to be successful. So now I feel better. Right. And it's like, you know, it's an easy thing to do, but like I kind of said earlier, I think that when we do that, we really cater to not a high vibe part of someone. If somebody is relieved that somebody they care about or anybody is unsuccessful, if that's a relief or they feel like, you know, they feel so competitive with someone that they don't want them to have success. You know, by not challenging that part of someone and by catering to it, we're not doing them or or the energy in this world a favor by dimming our light just to make insecure people feel better. You know, we want those people to grow and be challenged and, and you know, I've had to really learn that. And, and I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still learning and practicing and I'm certainly not, um, you know, an expert on taking up space and really owning owning my authenticity I, I still have a ton of insecurity about that and I still catch myself playing small just to you know because I was raised feeling like that's a good way to make people feel better about themselves I guess yeah. um, which it really isn't and um so yeah anyway I I hope that we are on the brink of a shift of people being more positive but um even in the you know in a spiritual community, um, I think we're not immune to being on the receiving end of that kind of behavior, unfortunately. Sometimes it's worse. Um, although maybe it's a little better. <laughs> right? I know. Sometimes it's I know. Like, I feel like the thing about the spiritual community is that not necessarily like when it comes to make like, you know, belittling yourself to build someone else's securities up, but when it comes to just like any sort of like jealousy or toxicity within the spiritual community, it feels like it's a harder pill to swallow because we're supposed to be beyond that. Right. Right. Exactly. It is hard. It is hard because everything is sort of masked in this cloak of like positivity and openness and energy. <laughs> um, so it can be, it can be hard to see. And I think it's, you know, it's easy to kind of second guess too. Like, oh, am I am I reading that right? Am I yeah. am I vibing that energy right? No, I couldn't possibly be because they're all love and light and magic. But right. um, yeah, it's weird because yeah, there are yeah. a lot of issues. It's there, it can the it can be community is full of yeah. It's there's a lot of toxic stuff going on there too. So I I, I guess no one's really immune to this. Um, you kind of toxic of culture for sure um but I hope we're on the brink of a shift what do you think what are your thoughts on that I hope we are too but I also feel that I can sometimes be a little bit disconnected from larger media just because everything that I work in is a subculture and it's like a niche and so I feel like sometimes I don't know sometimes for for as much as 
we talk about the collective and we talk about like, you know, collective consciousness and awareness, the collective is super fucking nebulous. And so like, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to, it's really hard to feel like, you know, where it's going, especially because in some, like in some instances, I feel like we're getting better. And then in other instances, I feel like it's the most toxic it's been. So yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a a wild time. (laughs) It is. And, you know, I totally waver between being somebody who really has faith and hope and sees the beauty in the world and being someone who's like, oh, I mean, yeah, we're literally going to be no longer a species in like 200 years because we're destroying our planet and everyone is so fearful and hateful and we're fucked, you know? I totally, (laughs) I totally know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, I guess, you know, it's a good thing you're not going to have kids because what's, you know, what are the resources in 50 years going to be like, you know, like, I don't (laughs) what kind of money are you going to need to survive? Like, you know what? It's just like, I feel the same. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's always hope, but, uh, I think in order for us to shift towards like a more, you know, a, a, a true sense of positivity, there would have to be so much deep internal work going on within like every individual, you know, and I just, unfortunately, I'm not really at this moment seeing that. Yeah. There's a seeing lot that of- happening. I mean, I think there's a lot of escapism happening, you know, through TV, yeah. through TV or drinking or drugs or, you know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And I think it's hard. I think it's really super toxic that we've all sort of been immersed in this, like, this global community of the internet. It's okay. It's awesome in some ways. It's, it's really freaking awesome in some ways. But I think the fact that, like, over the past year, there hasn't been a ton of in-person community for a lot of people. And we sort of had to build our communities virtually. I'm really grateful we've been able to. And I think there are so many beautiful perks to that. Like I've connected with so many amazing people I wouldn't have otherwise. But I don't know if that's actually a replacement for feeling a part of an actual community that, um, in the sense that communities rely on each other. They're ecosystems, right? And when we're in this global community of the internet, I don't know that that sort of, like reliability is there in the way that it would within like a little community of people or friends in person. Um, We're sort of sharing the same energy with each other. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. And I also think that like there has to be a huge change, a huge change in the way that algorithms manifest because I don't know if you saw the social dilemma, but a lot of these like crazy like QAnon, Facebook, Instagram groups grew traction because the algorithm was in their favor. And so there would be like people who were kind of interested in aliens that lived in a sort of right wing area that like they were suggested a QAnon group. And it's just like a Republican who likes aliens. And because there's like this conspiracy theory element they get sucked into QAnon. You know what I mean? And it goes on, it go, right. I mean, it can go on the left side too. Like, you know, I don't know. When we look at like microchips and the vaccines, I'm just like, what is happening and why are you believing this? Uh, totally, 
totally. I haven't seen the social drama. I really want to, though. But, yeah, it is just, I mean, these algorithms are just crazy. And, um, you know, like I said, I have a real love-hate with social media. I always have. Um, I certainly fantasize about one day just, like, living on a farm with my rescue animals and, like, not having the internet. (laughs) Yes, my dream is a farm and I'm going to take a wildlife rehabilitation class, get certified and rescue bats. Like that's the plan. (laughs) Hell yes. Oh my gosh. Totally like magical crone energy with all of your bats. We're gonna we're no gonna internet. visit we're gonna visit each other's sanctuary. We're gonna send our carrier pigeons invitations to one another yes. and then like we'll just know when it's time to come visit one another oh my gosh it is a date it is a date count me in <laughs> in yeah, 50 years yeah, when we're crones or I guess let's let's make it 40 <laughs> gosh, yeah, I know I'm like 50 I know years. I was like oh well, shit I'll be like 80 kicking, something <laughs> I know same 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 <laughs> yeah but it's totally it's totally my fantasy and I just think that you know, one of the things I think is, and some people are able to do this better than others, but it's so important to be able to be present. And that is so fucking hard to do these days. It's really hard, especially if you work on social media and, you know, that's kind of part of your life is to stay connected in that way, kind of keep your finger on the pulse a little bit in that way. Yeah, that happened to me at the DMV today where I was in line and I was trying to answer people's messages and I was like, oh shit, did they call my number? I have no idea if my number has been served. Oh and I like, luckily it hadn't yet, but it was like, I, it made me totally realize like you are not, like, of course you want to check out when you're at the DMV, but you still have to like be able to handle your business. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. The the trials and tribulations of working on social media and not really loving social media all that much. Yeah, yeah. I guess guess that's yeah. I mean, especially when you consider it to be your office in a lot of ways. It's an it's a weird it's a weird relationship. But this was so amazing. This was like I'm so glad we've gotten to have this conversation. We've been Instagram friends for I think over a year now, and whenever I interview someone that I've only spoken to via like a text exchange or like a you know like a written exchange I'm always a little bit like oh fuck I hope this person can talk and have a conversation and (laughs) you've been so easy to talk to so I I thank you for being such a great amazing wonderful guest oh thank you Renee that's so sweet of you and you are so easy to talk to I feel the exact same way it was you know it was a long time coming since we've been connected online for a while now it's really really great to be able to connect with you person to person and um yeah I can't believe it's been an hour since we've been chatting it feels like it went by in like 10 minutes to me. it's been so fast um if people want to find you online because I'm sure we'll keep our conversation rolling but if other people want to find you online how should they do that I am on Instagram at Valley Girl Mystic and I'm also on Twitter at Valley Girl Witch although I'm not super active on Twitter Got it. And um, if anybody is interested in my book, they can go to ninacon.com slash book and check things out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. 